Well, hi, everyone. I'm Carly Vina, and I'll be your host for episode 339 of At Percussion. So today's episode is a roundtable focusing on topics of time management and work-life balance, which are um, big ones, to say the least. And we've assembled a group of very busy, active percussionists with diverse careers to dig into this important topic and challenging topic for all of us, I think. So with me today, um, as usual, is Casey Candelosi, who I know you all know, but um, just in case, I'll give a little rundown of the, the kind of work that everybody's doing. Casey is Director of Percussion Studies at JMU. Um, he's a, a very well-known major composer of works for percussion and also a performer. So hey, Casey. Hey, thanks a lot, Carly. And uh, hey, happy just coming off PASIC. I heard it was great. Congratulations. Oh, well. thanks. Thanks. It was it was a blast. I'm looking forward, though, to next PASIC, where um, the plan is to not do anything but go to session well, that's and relax. The that's the plan. <laughs> it never goes that way. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck. You'll, no, holding, you'll be judging, doing two panel discussions, and, <laughs> uh, and a signing thing or wherever. Yeah. <laughs> Part of my work-life balance is actually now going to PASIC and doing absolutely nothing but hanging out. That's a big part of my work. <laughs> Good tip. Yeah. Well, now you've heard his voice. Um, Donnie Johns is back. He was actually on at Percussion for episode 290 back in 2021. Um, Donnie is an in-demand freelancer in the Baltimore, Washington area. He's played with Baltimore Symphony, Richmond Symphony, Annapolis Symphony, and a whole bunch of, whole bunch of others. He's very active. He's also the founder and CEO of the DMV Music Academy and teaches percussion at Bowie State University and is president of the Maryland Delaware chapter PAS. So welcome back, Donnie. Thanks for having me, Carly. Honored to be here. Thanks for joining. Um, our, our other regular co-host, Caleb Pickering, is here. Caleb, for those of you who don't know, um, teaches both percussion and music theory at North, Northwest Missouri State University and is a very active composer and performer as well. Hey, Caleb. Hey. No funny quip? No quips. I'm, I'm out of humor. I have, I have run up my humor for 2020. Uh, let me, give me a second. Um... <laughs> What do you call a? I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Uh oh. Uh oh. It's December's going to be rough for you then. Yeah, 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 yeah. No jokes in December. We're going right to January. <laughs> we'll start over with humor. All right. Well, um, Brad Meyer is also here today. Brad was on at Percussion for episode seventy-seven, which was about five years ago. Um, so welcome back. Brad is the associate professor of percussion at Stephen F. Austin State University in Texas also serves as the Vice President of the PAS Texas Chapter and Chair of the PAS Health and Wellness Committee. Very active in PAS, um, in addition to composing and performing. So welcome back, Brad. Happy to be back. Excited to talk about this issue. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're gonna solve like all of the world's problems with work-life balance today. Yes, or at least, you know, everyone here is going to unearth all their work-life balance issues and then we're gonna leave with no solutions. One of the two is gonna happen. We might need it like a therapy session after this. I should have probably invited a therapist on. Um, here we I'm are. A, I'm a doctor. Does that count? Actually, uh, everybody's a doctor except for Master Kangelosi here. Ma the, hey, Master Master. <laughs> master Master. Master Master Kangelos. <laughs> Um, also here today, last but not least, is our one of our favorite guest co-hosts, Tracy Wiggins, who was a guest on um, episode 75, so two episodes before Brad was on, also back in, I think, 2017, um, and he's been on at Percussion several times as a guest co-host over the years. Uh, Tracy is Assistant Director of Bands and Coordinator of Percussion at University of North Alabama, so he's already wearing multiple hats there. He's active as an orchestral percussionist, having played with Huntsville Symphony, Tuscaloosa Symphony, Fayetteville Symphony Orchestras, and, and many others, and is also active as an educator, clinician, and adjudicator in marching percussion. So welcome back, Tracy. Hello, I am happy to be here as the worst person on this panel at Work-Life Balance, so... I hope to bring a lot of what not to do to this conversation. <laughs> I, don't, I have a feeling you might have some competition. This is actually an intervention, Tracy. This is actually to help you only with your, your situation. So welcome. We're not, we're not recording. So, so that's the therapy part. 
<laughs> yeah, you, your family actually reached out to me and asked me to set up this episode for you. We're going to cut that family right out. 100% work from now on. No, no more of this family business. Hey, there you go, Caleb. That was a funny joke. Thanks. Yeah, you're back. Yeah, He's yeah. Back. Episode, what is this? Episode 312? Something 39. 39? 339. Okay. Okay, okay. So today's episode is scheduled for release on Thanksgiving Day. Um, for those of you who have fantastic work-life balance and want to listen to a percussion podcast on Thanksgiving or perhaps during the weekend or when you're back at work, um, I thought we would start off talking about gratitude and the positive effects that focusing on gratitude can have on both our physical and mental health um, and also on our work. So I was I was reading, there's a blog post on the Bulletproof Musician with Noah Kageyama that I've, I've talked about this show a lot over the years. Um, this episode was from about 10 years ago, and it focuses on the positive effects of a gratitude practice. And this episode describes a study in which researchers from the University of California, Davis and University of Miami asked a group of students to sit down once a week and write down five things in their lives that they were grateful for. There was a second group of students that were asked to write down up to five hassles or annoyances that they recently experienced. And then a third group of students wrote down five events of any kind, just kind of could be positive, negative, or neutral um, from the last week. So after about 10 weeks of doing this practice, it was really clear in the study that the students who focused on gratitude or things they were grateful for felt more positively about their lives. They were more optimistic about the week to come. Um, and they also, and this is really interesting, reported fewer health issues, so fewer headaches, fewer aches and pains and illnesses, and they exercised on average about an hour and a half more per week than students who wrote down their frustrations, which is like, it's kind of, kind of significant. Um, so there have been some other studies that show that a focus on gratitude um, can result in both more and better quality sleep. So that's a good thing and more positive moods. And there's also been some evidence that suggests that gratitude can also make us more resilient and more receptive to criticism, which I think we all know is um, super important for us as musicians. Uh, there was a study at University of Kentucky that, that um, had students, they wrote an essay and then they were like kind of either given high praise or really insulting criticism from an adjudicator about the essay that they wrote. So after they read their evaluations, the students had the chance to play their adjudicator in a video game. And they knew that this was the person that gave them the feedback, whether it was positive or negative. And it was found that the students who received negative feedback, like insulting comments, things like, this is the worst essay I've ever written, or sorry, that I've ever read. Um, they were much more aggressive against their adjudicator in the video game than those who received praise except there was a subset of students who had been asked to list before, before they played the video game, five things in their lives for which they were most grateful. And those students apparently didn't feel the need to um, be so aggressive and get back at their critics. So kind of mm, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, so with all this in mind on Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving weekend or any whenever and wherever you're listening to this, I invite you to spend a little bit of time each day focusing on gratitude, whether it's just acknowledging your gratitude for yourself or maybe reaching out to people in your lives who you are grateful for um, to express your gratitude and it might improve your life and your health and your work. So um, something to think about today. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, so uh, now to change gears a little bit to, to today's topic. I've invited you all here so you can share all of your secrets to time management and achieving the perfect work-life balance to, uh, so I can steal your secrets and use them to make my life amazing. Um, just kidding. These topics are ones that I think all musicians struggle with to some degree. Um, I think if anybody says something like they've never dealt with um, time management issues or work-life balance issues, I think they're probably lying. Um, so to, to start off, um, Brad, I think you've done some clinics on time management techniques before. Do you have any, any good advice on time management skills? Oh, uh, I've got lots of advice, uh, but the big qualifier is that I think most of us give clinics on things that we're bad at, and then we research how we can get better at them. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, I should do a clinic on that to help people before they get to where I was when I needed the help. 
So uh, that's a big kind of caveat for a lot of what I talk about with uh, mental and physical health and wellness. So just uh, throwing that out there. Uh, for me, I would say the biggest thing about time management skills is it's very personal. It's very individualistic. It's just like learning uh, ways people learn, you know, visual, auditory, you know, reading. And so what may work for one person may not work for another. So I really think that the biggest thing with time management skills is to try different ways of, you know, time management, uh, whatever that is, whether it's using an iCal, whether it's, uh, you know, setting like a very strict schedule, whether it's goal set setting within that schedule, and then uh, figuring out what works best. And so uh, for a lot of my students, what I'll initially do is in the very first week of school, I'll have them say, okay, especially freshmen, it's your first week in college. You've got, uh, what's the Spider-Man quote with great, um, with great, with great power comes great responsibility. And I said, your power is that nobody is gonna force you to go to class. You don't have parents that are hounding you. They're not gonna tell you to turn in papers. And so one of the big things that I remind them is that, you know, it's, it's in your control, whether you do well in college, whether you show up to class or not, that is your power, but you need to be responsible with it. And so I have them kind of in the first week say, let's just try to do a, a 15 minute by 15 minute daily schedule breakdown and really just make them like, you know, what's your week gonna look like? And include everything, include your wake up time, include your eating time, shower time, uh, time to travel if you're driving to and from campus, your classes, your rehearsals, your practice time, study time. I even tell them to include break time, like free time and relaxation. And I also tell them, you know, there's five days in the week, but as musicians, there's seven days in our total week. So don't forget about your weekend. A lot of times they have football games with morning practices or evening practices. Sometimes they have evening rehearsals with chamber groups. And I say, just add all that into your schedule and write that down. And, and you're gonna be like very overwhelmed with everything that you have to do. But then look at your schedule, not as a jail cell, but as you know, just a guide for you to manage your time. If you want more, rest and relaxation time if you need more sleep then you can schedule that in you're not just locked into what that initial schedule was so i think the the biggest help that i can initially offer is just for students to really kind of journal or uh jot down what they think they're going to be doing so that they can get a better picture of what their daily life's going to be like because sometimes they really just kind of go oh my goodness i've got all this practice i've got all this studying i've got all this piano and theory and english class and band and rehearsals it's just so much but if you can just take it one hour at a time, I really think that it helps students uh, kind of get a better uh, grasp mentally about what they're needing to do on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think that's something we do here at Shenandoah too is, is there practice room signouts. Like we have a Google calendar for every room and, and students can go and like plan out. They can plan out the week in advance. They can do like the semester in advance, repeated regular times. And it's not so much that like, you know, there's not enough rooms or they have to reserve it or else they're not gonna be able to practice. But it's just like having that in your calendar. I find it's like there, this work is an appointment. And even like you're saying like, rest time, hang out with friends time, read a book time, like whatever sleep time to, to think about that is like a commitment to yourself, just like your classes that you're going to go to, or, um, you know, I don't know, a doctor's appointment or your lesson time or something like that. Yeah. Cause if you're only thinking about school as being everything and you're not thinking about enjoyment time, like relaxation or family, or, you know, I even say, if you just need to scroll on Instagram for an hour, schedule that in. Like a lot of a lot of students need that and and that's how they decompress and that's totally fine it's whatever you want to do but make sure that you get done what you need done before the end of the day you know so yeah right yeah well i wanted to share with you on this is uh have you seen this eisenhower matrix for those yeah. of you that are that are um just listening and not watching on YouTube. This is the, the matrix of things. Uh, there's one category, one quadrant, that's things that are important and urgent, then one that's important but not urgent, then not important and urgent, and then not important, not urgent, um, you know, to kind of help us figure out like what really has to be done. Um, yeah, Caleb, were you about to say that you've seen this? Yeah. Have you used it? No. <laughs> I tried to actually, I was, I was using this for a little period of time, I guess, maybe my first semester, about a year ago at Shenandoah, 
just to kind of manage all of the things because the urgent things, of course, are, are the ones that have to happen. Like important and urgent is, um, you know, regular stuff that you have to do. It has to be done quickly. Like some emails that we do, um, you know, preparing for classes, um, practicing for performances, all, all of these things, important and urgent that we have to do. Um, important and not urgent is the hardest quadrant for me because these are like usually the bigger picture like creative projects like they're not urgent you don't have to do it right away sometimes there's no deadline other than like I just want to do this at some point um, but it's really important that we have these projects and that we're thinking long term um, not important and urgent might be like you know tasks that you have to take care of phone calls you're getting emails that are just like totally administrative things you have to take care of but are not hugely important and then um not important and not urgent. Um, I don't know, it might be Brad, like you're saying that hour on Instagram, like fine if we do it and we all do it, right? Um, and, and in some ways, social media is a big part of our work, um, depending on how we use it. But anyway, I found this graphic and, and what it says, important and urgent, it says, do it first. Important and not urgent means schedule it. Not important and urgent is delegate it. I thought that was a, an especially good one and not important and not urgent, just delete it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something, something, something to think about. Well, and I, I find the delegated, uh, quadrant interesting because, uh, the, the more I I'm at SFA and the more I move along in my career, the more I realized early on, I was doing way too much in the urgent, most important, I must do it all category, do it right now. And delegating is something that I think has given me a lot of a lot better work-life balance, but it's also helped me give students in my studio more responsibility. Uh, one great example is uh, I, I noticed our French horn or trumpet studio had an uh, Instagram account. And so in a studio class, I was like, do we need to do this? Like uh, I'm on Facebook, you know, we've got a Facebook studio page. Isn't that enough? And they're like, no, we'd need an Instagram. I was like, oh, here's another thing I got to do. And I just don't want to have to deal with another social media. And so instead of just taking on this whole new project, I was like, well, why don't we have like an Instagram moderator for the studio? And that person will just, you know, let me know when they post something so I can check it out. But I don't have to create the content. It's student driven. And I really find uh, delegating gives them a lot more res responsibility and a lot more kind of uh, buy into the studio. All I had to do was like give ownership away of it. And I've, I've really found things like that and like logistics. I used to be there for setting up all the percussion ensemble concerts and stuff. And I was like, I've got a great grad student and she just, it's like, Hey Anna, can you make sure it's set up by seven fifteen? And she's like, got it. And it, they're like rehearsing already. And I'm like, I love it. And I used to just pull my you know, metaphorical hair out trying to get instruments where they needed to be. And, and they would always be telling me, I need this bongo and, I, and I'm trying to fix it all. It's like, no, they're like so smart. Like the more I can give them the ownership of what we're doing, the better it is. So I, I do think delegate is a much bigger box than the Eisenhower matrix has it set to be. That could be, yeah. And I, I think that's one thing it's kind of, it can be hard to like give up control. You know, especially you said, like, when you started teaching at Stephen F. Austin, like, you feel like, oh, I've got to have my hands in everything. Well, I guess the question I have for you, Brad, and I guess really for everyone is, like, when do you know that it's time to, okay, that's one more task than I have capacity for, and I'm going to hand that one off to my grad students, or, or this is simply one I'm going to say no. And, of course, I think it's, like you said, it's all individualized. And each of us kind of has a, has a different threshold. But I think why this is such a topic and why this might be the most asked question we've ever had on the podcast, people see successful guests and they say like, how do you, you know, they want to know how do you, how do you manage your time? How do you maintain a work-life balance? And it does seem like this really secret sauce that a lot of people are struggling with. So I guess the question I have maybe in, in this specific case you mentioned, Brad, but also for everyone, like, yeah, so how do, how do we advise people and students when to know they've <laughs> had enough? Because, of course, if we all knew when we've had enough, it wouldn't be a mystery. We wouldn't be asking for help. Um, so how the heck do we, how, how did you, when do you know, Brad? Let's start with you. Uh, I, I actually had a, a really big aha moment. I had Andy Blisson to play Mudra with my ensemble. 
And, you know, anytime I have a guest artist to do a percussion ensemble concert, I say, hey, can you take a listen? Love to hear your feedback on, on what the pieces could need. And, um, you know, he was great. He played great. And he worked with the kids and it was a fantastic time. But I was on stage in the dress rehearsal, like running around trying to fix the electronics issue that was going on and like going to get a mallet from the studio mallet library to make this one piece sound a little better. And and at the end, he's he's like, dude, you are like doing way too much. Like you've got students that can do so many things for you uh, and, and they can do it on their own. Even like you shouldn't be up there sweating your rear end off trying to fix everything in the dress rehearsal. You know, these and, and something I took away from that is it's also time for students to learn, you know, it's it's never too late to learn. I can't tell you how many times students initially are overwhelmed by computer issues, but if you just give them a couple minutes and you say, hey, you know, can you try and figure that out? Or can you can we rehearse this piece while you check on that thing? But I, it, that was the biggest aha moment for me about delegating is that I was just doing things that they could easily do that didn't need to be done by me. And by, I hate to say conserving my energy, but by focusing my energy on the bigger, more important things like, let's balance this, let's talk through uh, other things that aren't just, let me go run and grab this mallet while 30 students stand on stage or sit in the audience, you know, waiting for me to get back. And so that was a big uh, clarity moment for me about just giving a lot more ownership over of the studio. And I think especially it helps when, uh, you know, I, I was tenured at that time, I think. So I was able to kind of feel like I could give up more delegation without, you know, that kind of risk factor being as high before you get tenure. Uh, but I wish I had done it earlier. So there's a catch 22 in that. You you could have just skipped the whole concert and just delegated that. Just you know, I, I've actually not been to school in a couple of years and it's going great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, I just log into the concerts on. virtually and, and they sound awesome. So you should check them out. It's great. Just play recordings. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Hey, we haven't, I haven't heard from Donnie yet. Donnie, do you have an answer to that one? Like, when do you, you know, when do you know, or how can we advise people like, yeah, I think now, you know, maybe it's, it's time to really start like, just say no, or try to pass yeah. that off to someone else. Well, I think for myself personally, um, learning how and when to say no has been uh, very, very important to me. You know, I, I care a lot about the things that I do and, and as a musician, as an artist, and you know, when you're, Again, not to sound, this may sound quasi arrogant, but like when you're good at a lot of things, people ask you to do a lot of things. And so it's important just to know, just because this is something important or something that you are, say, passionate about or want to be a part of, you literally cannot do everything. And so being able to prioritize uh, what is most important to you and when is very important. And I think in terms of talking about teaching, like we were talking about earlier, um, ultimately with young people, I'm trying to do what I can to equip them to be successful. And so a big part of that is giving them that agency. Now, if I'm doing everything for them, then I'm, I'm coddling them and I'm not preparing them to be functional, successful adults in their own right. So, you know, you have to give them the platform and the space to make mistakes. You know, you, you learn by doing. And so a lot of times, you know, we have high standards. We can often be perfectionists in what we do and, and, and controlling. And the problem with doing that is we don't give students the space to to learn and, and uh, the process to develop their own skill sets. You, you know, I was going to add just back to the first question you had, Carly, about just like was like time management tips. Um, I'm really the at my most useful when I'm really excited about a project or a task, and sometimes that can even be an, an you know tedious email kind of thing. Um, but yeah, when I'm, when I'm not real excited about it, it's, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard of course, but, uh, but it is for everyone, isn't it? But, uh, something that really helps is to uh, try to create like infrastructure that is going to not put me in time management binds very much. So really try to just get far ahead of your schedule, plan everything out early. I always tell my freshmen, I say, you know, Everyone's going to ask you to join their club, join their fraternity, do these extra extra ensembles. Just try a semester of college and see what it feels like just doing what you have to do. <laughs> just see what that feels like. 
And that has fixed so many things for these students because they listen and they do it. And th that is one like large infrastructure kind of thing you can put in place way ahead of time before even day one. And then you won't be so reliant on a, a special time management strategy. It, it'll, it'll just be manageable. So I would just say that. And I think for us, you know, for people teaching, it's like, oh yeah, I just like pick my committees early, as early as I can. And I know if I'm on this one, it means I won't get asked to do that other one. <laughs> I just and I just say I'm I'm full and just just plan on saying like I'm on two and I'm I'm full. Thank you very much. That's all. Tracy, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say on the two questions. One, then when to know when to delegate. For me, it's the it's the culture in the studio because I I know when I reach a point in the development of my studio and everything where I have students that know what I'm going to want before I have to tell them what it is that I'm going to want. And I think something that it, for me, it took a few years to, you know, being here and getting to the point of where students could kind of read my mind a little bit. And so that allows me to be able to delegate a little bit more because I can just drop like a subtle hint to one of the older students and they know immediately what it is that I'm needing to have happen without me having to go deal with it. Um, and so I think that's part of it. I think it's the developing the culture and the consistency of the culture. Uh, this is how we do things. This is our way of doing things where you reach the stage where you have upperclassmen students that know how to do that before you need to. Um, and then on the other one, the time management, I am a notorious Google junkie. I live and die by Google, uh, my Google calendar, my Google keep app. I have four different lists that I keep in there at all times. Um, that are kind of like that matrix that Carly shared earlier, you know, high priority, high urgency, low priority, like they're all in that way. So like everything that I do goes into those lists in some way. And everything that I do on a daily basis and stuff goes into my Google Calendar because I don't want to have to try to remember to do something because that's actually what stresses me out the most is having to try to remember something where if I've got it written down and I'm going to have a reminder pop up or something like that, that actually to me relieves a lot of the stress in that way. I'll sit down with them and put everything in your calendar. So that when you go to practice, it's just another event in your day that's going to occur. It's not a you're trying to seek out during the day time to squeeze practice in and stuff. Uh, because that's when that gets really, really stressful for them. Because that's when they're like trying to figure out when they're going to do it as opposed to like having it all planned out, having it all scheduled out. And their calendar is just kind of telling them when to fit it in. Um, and so, yeah, and then we do, we run our studio through Google Drive too. And a big life-saving tip for me that I actually got from Norm Weinberg was all of my important studio stuff is in one Google Doc. Now, it's a whole lot of tabs at the bottom of that Google Doc, but like every like list or consistent like thing that we do on a regular basis so that I don't have to search through Drive or anything else for these documents. I can go to this one Google Doc and find the tab that I need at the bottom, be it scholarships, who's in the studio, faculty teaching loads, all of that kind of stuff is in like one doc where it's very easy for me to find all that information without having to search around for it. So I'm big on lists and writing things down. I was going to say, um, I, when I hear about people like you, Tracy, and, and just how organized some people are and how they have these extra tools. And of course, I use, I use Google materials, but man, it is not that fine-tuned. I feel like I've heard Brad talk about this before. We've certainly had several people on the podcast talk about like the implements they use and the, or the practice journaling they do and just how meticulous it is. And I'm, I'm kind of just imagining a student listening and they're imagining that we're all like that. And so point A, we're definitely not all like that. Um, not, not that I, I mean, I kind of wish I was, but I, I think uh, something to be added there is you can kind of have a lot of agency in how much you have to do. I think it's really important to really understand and recognize like, wait, do I have to do all of that? Like, do I have to answer every email? 
and fill every request that comes in from a prospective student that wants a free lesson. And it's like, well, uh, I mean, read your job description, know your job description, but it, the answer is no, like, like you don't. And, and also there isn't a hard rule about when that has to be answered. I, part of me keeping myself <laughs> just happy is just like, I, I'm just going to answer that when I feel like it. <laughs> and if I, and if I don't, it's okay. Like, like it, it is okay. And I'm in a situation where, it, well, it is okay. It's, I'm, I'm not going to get fired if I don't do that. I'm not going to get written up if I don't do that. I mean, if you're able to do that, okay, great. Uh, do you have to learn five new pieces for your recital? Figure that out. And do you, is that really important to you? If you don't have to, you, you don't, you don't, you don't have to, you can do this in a way it just feels natural and good and genuine. That's all. No, I, I feel the same as, as Casey. I don't, I've never kept a practice journal. I don't use Google Docs. I don't use Google Calendars. I mean, I use Google Calendars for the big things, but I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. And, you know, that's just not how, how I can function. Uh, I keep, I do keep little to-do lists all over the place that I keep with me, but yeah, I'm definitely not tech savvy organized like, like Tracy and Brad are by any means um yeah i just keep it but, but you have your sorry but but you have your method i mean that that's their yeah, method yeah. you have your method mine's something in between yeah i mean everyone's got to have them their method but but i guess sorry to interrupt caleb like but my point of what i think people need to hear more is like i don't think it's a magic tool it's about like con really like taking control of, of of what it really is and being able to as they say like analyze and then synthesize and, and I mean, analyzing is tough. Like, like I, it took me a long time to realize I don't like having a smartphone handy to do emails every second. Initially, I was like, oh, a smartphone would be great because I can answer emails when I'm like at the time waiting for a bus and I can like knock out a few emails and then I go home and like my, my night's easier. And at the time that was really cool. Um, it doesn't feel so cool anymore. So it took like a few years of doing that to finish that analysis and realize yeah, I, I'm not crazy about that. And then to take that information, synthesize it. And now I just don't do that anymore. I, I just don't like obsessively check my, um, my phone and do emails. I do emails in like one sit down setting and do them in chunks. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's all. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I, I had one thing that uh, I think Casey kind of brought up, which is the idea, like, I think we talk about uh, you know, on, on a podcast like this, where we're all, you know, educators, and we're all past our, you know, undergrad degrees, we forget that undergrad is very different than where we are now. And so I remember, and maybe be interesting how you all handled your undergrad. Uh, I actually didn't do any scheduling, you know, it's kind of funny, my ideas about scheduling and uh, Google Docs and stuff like that only came from trying to help students that had trouble with it, you know, and, and for me in my undergrad, I remember, you know, practicing six to eight hours a day. And, and every now and then a student will be like, you know, how did you do that? And I just go, well, I, I did. And it, it wasn't a huge like, scheduling, I got to figure out the time I just really prioritized my practicing over everything else. And by doing that, I, I would get like assignments done as early as possible. I get reports done as early as possible so that I wouldn't have to think about them so I could then practice as much. So I think, you know, this idea of listing out, like I don't do that with every freshman, but I do it with most because a lot of them have that initial trouble with um, scheduling their day out. But I, I often find students that are already successful, they've already got their own way. And if they come to me and they're like, hey, I, what do you do or what could I do better? It's, I'm always happy to help. But a lot of times, I, if I see a student is excelling, there's no reason to talk about that. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how anyone else dealt with their undergrad experience, but I actually didn't schedule anything. I just would do everything as quickly as possible. You, you've probably had the, the pullback session with one of those real successful students too, right? One of those that's like practicing too much and they're getting to the, because the burnout phase is coming up next in this conversation probably, right? Well, burnout or injury or, you know, any of those mm -hmm. other, other negative things. Actually, I wanted to jump ahead to um, 
emails because Casey, you mentioned like I felt the same way. I got a smartphone. I was like, this is so great. I can reply to emails anywhere. And and you know, if I want to look something up while I'm practicing, I, I can go and check a video really easily. Um, and it was really cool in the beginning. And now I find um, actually the the I think the single best email decision that I made in recent years was I turned off email notifications on my phone this fall. And it started with oh, yeah. like right around the start of the, the fall semester, I was gonna, I was like after five or six o'clock on weekdays and on weekends, I was just gonna manually turn off notifications, turn them back on during the workday. And then one day I just forgot to turn them back on. And I found I could still check my email. I didn't miss anything. It just, I wasn't getting like constant little pop-ups of like, oh, here, somebody needs your attention on this thing. And, and you know, it interrupts you and you read it and then you think about it and, and all of that. What's, what have y'all done that helps you manage email better? Just wait. I mean, just, just do it. Do it when you have to, of course. And the ones that you don't have to, I, I just wait till I feel like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, of course, if someone's waiting on something that they really need from me or something, I just think the, it's, it's kind of ridiculous now. I mean, like it, it can just never end at least back when you had to only use the phone. If you were already on the phone, you couldn't take another phone call, like simultaneously. Right. So I, I mean, and also, you know, I talked about this analysis then synthesis thing, like I, I, part of the analysis that, yeah, took me some years to figure out is like, Hey, you know what? Like my, my, my colleagues, they don't hate me after it's taken uh, two days to get back or three days. Um, they're kind of in the same boat and there's, there's an understanding there. And I used to think, oh, they're going to think I'm like, you know, being disrespectful or not being helpful or that I, or, or that I don't check or, or whatever, like, you know, it's going to reflect negatively on me. And I've learned it just, it just, I mean, at large, 99% doesn't. Most everybody understands, I think, at this point. Um, I saw something, somebody in my friends list on Facebook posted something a little while back about like, how on earth do you manage your emails? And, and a bunch of people responded, like musicians, and I think non-musicians too. And one of the things that one person wrote, I, I have no idea who it is to give them credit, but I've thought about this since then. They said like, sometimes if you wait a day or two or three, like the issue just resolves itself. Like somebody comes by your office or... Um, you know, the, the, whoever's emailing you has, has some other way to find the information that they need. And then you don't have to write back. And, and that's maybe not like the most visionary thing, like, well, I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. Um, but I've found sometimes that's the case. Like it doesn't actually require a sit down and, you know, type out and, and really respond to everything. I think it's important for students. We, we really say like, Hey, it's, it's, it's going to be to your benefit. It's going to be to my benefit to answer all those emails. I mean, you really should, and you should do it as timely as you can, but you also just have to like, you have to be okay. <laughs> you have to take care of yourself. Um, and, and I mean, this is like, I've considered hiring a personal assistant over the years. Like I, where I think if we're probably talking about myself to a student who I recommend, no, like, please answer your emails as timely as you can. And answer your professor's emails. You, that's, that's important. I mean, you, you do need to answer important stuff and I answer important stuff that really, really does matter. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the, sorry that I should have clarified, like the quantity I'm talking about is like, I've considered like hiring a little, like an assistant. Cause it's just, it's like out of hand sometimes. Yeah. 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 And, and same case. I mean, there are certain emails I cannot wait on. Like if a contractor for major symphony orchestra emails me, like, I'm not like, Oh, maybe I'll get to it in a couple days. I mean, they're right. right away. Yes, I can do it. Or right away, at least let me check. I'm going to see if I can resolve a conflict. Like you have to, they're not going to wait around. They're not going to call Good. you. And if, um, yeah. or, or like, my boss, I've got to write back right away. Like you just have to. And when you're a student, your boss is your teacher. So right back yeah. to your boss. <laughs> yeah, of, of course, of course. Important clarification for sure. Yeah. Thanks. Tracy, go ahead. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think for me, I, one, I have actually reached the point where I will answer an email if it comes pretty in pretty quickly, but with a distinction of I am super fast and super okay with the yes, no type answer in an email. 
where if somebody sends me something and I can literally just answer it yes or no, then I will knock that one out right away. And it took a little bit. I like had colleagues like at first were like, are you mad at me? I'm like, why? And they said, well, you just said yes to this. And I'm like, that's all that it was needed. You didn't need a paragraph for me to tell you, yes, that's fine. Smiley face. Um, you got to have a, just have and a so, face. No, that takes too long to type out. Um, you you forgot so, to say, I hope like, you're so doing like, well. <laughs> yeah. So things like that, I, I will I try to keep my inbox pretty small on my email. Like my wife opened her email on my computer one day and was like, 6,000 emails in her inbox and I wanted to pass out just vicariously. And so I have to keep that pretty well triaged and pretty narrowed down and stuff. So if it's something that I can knock out right away, I will absolutely do that. And then if there's one that I've got more time, yeah, I'll let that sit in my box. I've got time to get back to it and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I think part of it is being comfortable with just saying yes, no, just give the exact information that's needed and no more and no less i th i think tracy's spot on with that I, I actually do a little bit similar i have like a zero inbox kind of policy and i'll have at most five emails and those will be long-term projects that i need reminders of but something that i do to help that out is like with my students we don't even email we use facebook messenger so we can create groups or just do really quick messages. It's a little less formal than emails. They feel like they can just send a question with poor punctuation and then I can give them a thumbs up if I need to. But I find that the use of like instant messenger within the studio really helps in terms of just really quick uh, communication that doesn't need to be so formalized. And and I am a person that I'll, I'll try to send emails back to like faculty members very quickly. Uh, I know not everyone else is. And uh, you know, I have faculty that are like, I don't know how you do it. and I think it's just like like someone was saying, we all kind of do our own thing and figure out what works best. And for me, a full inbox is anxiety inducing. It it makes me believe I have things I need to answer and take care of because people are waiting on the answers. And so I, for me, that's more of a mental hang up, but I, I am a big zero inbox person. Yeah, yeah. So this, this next question is one that I think about a lot. Um, how we want, I think we all agree, we want our students to develop healthy habits. We want them to have sustainable lives and careers. We want them to you know, be happy and healthy adults when they're done with school. Um, but then we also know, like we know how busy we are and we know how busy we were when we were in school. Um, and we know what all of those different demands can feel like. So um, Brad, maybe this is a good question for you being on the health and wellness committee and, and all of that. Um, how, how can we help students have a healthy work-life balance? And is it okay if when they're students, they're working more than, you know, more hours in a day and more days per week than um, an, a, a professional is? I think this is one of the hardest questions to answer. Um, this is something I think I deal with on a daily basis, as I'm sure everyone does. Um, my students this semester had a really challenging semester more than any other semester at SFA because of marching band responsibilities and a couple other things. And so, you know, I, I saw students really struggle with, um, with their work-life balance. I mean, a lot of them hadn't gone home and seen their families and uh, you could tell that was really draining on them. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to help other than to, you know, just try to be like, you know, sometimes you got to push through challenging periods and then you got Thanksgiving break where you can really just let go and, and kind of decompress. Um, and, and this is something that I was thinking about as you, as you kind of asked me onto this podcast uh, about this kind of question, which I kind of knew was going to come up, which is this work-life balance of students. And looking back on this semester, my students worked harder than they ever have, and they didn't have as much work-to-life balance as I wish they would have. But I also know that everyone on this screen right here has at times awful work-life balance. And so if you're really preparing students to be in the real world of music, music education, music performance, it's not to get ready for, you know, be ready for miserable times, but be resilient, be able to know that there is a, a goal at the end that will have a finish line, that you can be done with things and you're gonna feel great. You'll feel tired, you might be exhausted, 
but you'll have given it all and you'll have gotten through it. And that's really to celebrate, I think. You know, part of the, part of the balance for me, like, of course, when you have a recital, you have a big, uh, a big PASIC clinic or, you know, a big, is something big coming up. Like you're going to practice a lot. You're going to put a lot of time into that in a short period of time or, or maybe extended period of time before that event. But it's not always going to be like that. Like that's not what your your natural state of work will be. And I I think probably we all know some people that do go like that all the time. Um, for me, that won't work for most of us normal humans. Like it's not sustainable. Um, and the important thing to remember with students is like it won't always feel like the last month before your senior recital. Like we can't always function like that. Yeah, that's great. I was going to speak to that too. I think you know the reality is that you're going to have seasons in your life, in your career, where they're just more hectic than others. And some, sometimes the solution is simply the grit and push through, like grit and resiliency are definitely a part of, of kind of, you know, the, the, all the different things we need to invest into our students. I think also kind of big picture, um, a couple of things. One, just creating a culture where it's okay to express your needs and okay to communicate, hey, this is, I'm struggling with this right now. This is a challenge for me. A lot of times, you know, whether it's egos or it's just you don't want to appear to be weak or vulnerable, whatever the case may be, sometimes it's hard for adults and for young people to express, hey, I'm struggling right now. I'm going through challenges right now. I, I need help. And secondly, to kind of go along with that, um, building that community within your studio, you know, having that sense of community where we're all here for each other. Um, investing in relationships with one another, I think helps to create spaces where people can feel comfortable um, expressing their needs and, and their challenges. Um, I think it's important to make sure that students understand that we're all here for, for one another and investing in those relationships um, is, is very important. Also, along with that, you know, part of building community is that each of us has varied strengths, varied weaknesses. And so you know, it's okay to get help from someone who's strong, stronger in an area where you may be weaker. And then of course, vice versa. And we, when we help each other out in those areas, then we all can, can improve. Following up on what Donnie just said, something as I've gotten older, because anybody that's watched my Facebook feed lately can notice that I've become very much more of an open book about things. Um, and I've tried to do that a lot for myself, I guess it is therapy anyway, but also for my students because they need to know that it's not all sunshine, hugs, and puppies for us. Like they need to know that we struggle. They need to know that we have difficulties. They need to know that we have challenges because that makes it easier for them to be more open when they're having the same situations. Um, I think it's become really important to me that my students know that I've been through the things that they're going through. I still go through a lot of the things that they're going through and that I'm here to be the sounding board for them if they need to. I'm not, I'm not the enemy. I'm here to help them get through it. I help them to figure out their way to get through it and everything. And I think part of that is our, us as teachers being vulnerable. You know, getting past the whole, the teacher is the grand poobah who has all of the answers and is on this higher plane of existence that the students are trying to have to aspire to. I mean, yes, there is an element of that because we've done a lot of work in our lives to get to the point we are where we are. But I think they also need to see that we all have struggles and challenges. And I think as if there's one thing that I think the pandemic needed to teach us it's that we all need to be more open to things like that, mental health struggles and everything else. And I think it's become really important for me, my students to see that and hear that. Tracy, I can echo that as a, as a student. Um, I had a conversation not too long ago with a former teacher mentor of mine. Um, and we started talking about career paths. And this is a person who I only knew them when they were kind of, you know, had already reached enormous success in our field. And I had no idea the kinds of like normal struggles that they went through. Like, did they get every sim single job they applied for? No, like nobody does in our field, you know, it's so competitive. And I think it's so important because even knowing what I know about our field, I still was like shocked at this revelation. Like, oh, you mean you're a person like me too? And, and you struggle like me too? Like it's, it's really important 
Was that was that Nancy Pants? It it was not. Oh man. <laughs> no, she's she's just superhuman. And yeah, now I'm getting a Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I was gonna say it my answer to, to this question about like how a student might approach this, and I and I assume we're talking about a typical student. Um if you if you you know if you just google like work-life balance advice or something um and all the ted talks show up and by the way all the ted talks are just like terrible like nobody knows how to do this like nobody knows how to really do this and that's because we're all so different and there's or at least nobody knows how to like give a clear prescription of like here's here's what you should do and here's even what this means like it's really really personal like brad said at the very beginning of this whole thing um so okay well we'll we, we've heard people say and, and there seems like there's things in fours often in this topic but one of the fours i've heard of is your work your relationships your health and your uh recreation so typically they're talking about a, a person who's literally like balancing a family uh balancing kids and also balancing their work so if you're a typical student, the family part isn't there yet, right? So in answer to the question, like, is it okay to be a little overbalanced and prioritize work more than other stuff? I, I think it is as a student. In fact, I think it's important. It's like really important that in order to get your life in order, you do have to get your work in order. Like we all have to do some kind of work, unless you're very fortunate and your circumstances are exceedingly different than the the typical circumstance, yeah, you will first and foremost have to get your work in order. And if you're fortunate enough to not have any dependents yet, you're 19 years old, you have time to, to do that and the resources to do that. Yeah, I think it's okay if like you're not playing Xbox like six hours a night. Like I think that's totally okay. And I think it's even okay if there are nights or even weeks you don't play Xbox at all because you'll have zero agency over that. If you can't get your work in order, like you, you won't be able to create any work-life balance later if you don't have your work in order before your life catches up to you. And that's my like sounding kind of like a parent advice. <laughs> it's a little personal, but that's just my opinion, like what you should, what you should do. So yeah, I think it's, it is okay. Yeah. Work, work very, very hard and don't have a mental breakdown. Don't collapse, but yeah, it is, it's very competitive and it's, it's hard to, to get your, your work life in order. And to those of you who are atypical students and maybe your life is more in order than your work, um, I would say, hey, that's something other people have to work on later, too. You also hear about the career people who got their career way in line and way ahead of their life. And their main concern is getting their personal life in order because they got their career in so, so far in advance. Um, so, yeah, I think Donnie said it very well. Your life comes in seasons. And at, when you're a student, yeah, the season is to to hurry up with work. Um, yeah, that's all. Casey, were you talking about every Hallmark movie that's going to be shown where the busy <laughs> businessman or woman goes to the small town and meets the love of their life? I've seen I've seen all those. That's how I prepared for this show. <laughs> Excellent. Casey, that's a really, a really good point, though. You know, like uh, most college students um, don't have family pools like people do when they get older, maybe, um, and don't have and, and probably even your friends like time with friends is a healthy part of, you know, your life, but probably your friends are people that you go to school with. And so it's kind of, as you're practicing, you have little practice breaks and hang out, you know, there's, it's, I feel like life is more focused when you're in school, um, just by nature for most people. Um, and so that is kind of, that's the time when you can be more singularly focused. And if I could mention something that Casey brought up, I think it's really important. I, I often tell my students, be selfish now. Selfish isn't always a bad thing. Casey mentioned something about don't do every fraternity, sorority thing. Don't join every group that is available. You know, be a college student and be a successful one. And then if you have time to do more, then do that. But I find so many students get roped into doing uh, fraternities and sororities and multiple in their very first semester They've never done a university marching band. They've never done a percussion ensemble or a steel band or a, or an orchestra or jazz bands or you know concert band. And then on top of that, they're taking music theory and aural skills and piano that they've never done. 
and they're just thrown into this blender and they kind of just speed up the blender even more by taking on this stuff, which, you know, on the outset, fraternities and sororities can be a great thing. But I've, I've had at times students literally come into their lessons saying, I'm not prepared for my lesson because I was doing this fraternity, this music fraternity. And I said, well, isn't the music fraternity to support you being a great musician and not a hindrance? And, and it, it doesn't, it, it's never really clicked when I've said it uh, to those people, but I've, I just find that so many people really kind of set, them up, set themselves up to be uh, not successful early on by just taking on all this stuff with great intentions. They're like, I want to meet people and I want to, you know, have this fraternity or brotherhood or whatever you get from uh, those organizations or, or same thing, you know, they'll be in the steel band, the jazz band, the concert band, the orchestra, the marching band. And it's like, let's just do two or three and, and do those great. And if you're getting like a 3.8-ish, then add something on. But if you're in like a 2.7, let's maybe just stick with that or even less and, and you know, figure out what you can handle because not everyone can handle everything. And so there are a couple of students that can. And to them, take 22, 23 hours and rush as many fraternities and sororities as you want. But, uh, you know, I, I think most students really struggle with that in their first semester because they kind of get that rope they get roped in by like a lot of these fraternities uh, during like marching band and stuff. And, and I hate to put it that way because, you know, I, I do think that those fraternities and sororities have value, but I do know that those have also been reasons why I've, I've lost students because they have very much negatively impacted their work life balance. Yeah. Just try what you have to do first. It's that simple. Just one semester of the minimum, you know, see what the minimum feels like. And I remind them, hey, most people across the nation don't finish college. It's a lot harder than you think. You know, statistically, most people don't finish. So just, just you know, you're new, you're most people. So try it first. Well, and I think to follow up with what Casey and Brad were saying too about being um, selfish, I think the thing that we haven't talked about a lot is work-life balance as like you go on through life too because you be selfish when you're younger because eventually you're going to get to the stage in life like I'm at where I've got three daughters and my focus has to change to I had to do things that are for them and about them and I have to make decisions that are based off of their needs like I will not miss an event of theirs like if I have to reschedule something at school because they've got something going on then that's, that's what I have to do because your priorities in life are going to change. Um, and that's really one of the things that becomes more important as you get older is there are other people that you have to think about. And one of the nice things is that if you've done the work when you're younger, you can buy yourself the ability to have that flexibility when you're older. Because you, I've set up a career and gotten a place, gotten to a place now where I can make those decisions to prioritize them. And I have to, you know, they're, they're my responsibility. They're my life. And I have to make sure that I can do that. But I set all that up by doing what I needed to do when I was younger. Right. I think, I think you hear people, especially, you know, people who are like mid-stage career or later, like I did all of this practicing when I was younger. So I don't have to do that now not that we don't practice now but um that you know when i was 19 i was spending hours on double stroke rolls and stick control and and developing the techniques so now like of course i have to maintain those things but i don't have to put in the time that i did when i was figuring it all out for the first time so it's kind of bank the hours when you can so that when when later on in your career it's maintenance and you know what do you have to do to be ready for these things and you can juggle more things it's another seasonal example you know i think when you're a student you feel like it, that is your life it won't mm -hmm. be like that forever it's like i feel like my my son just got to preschool it's like prior to that it's like i was a single parent for three years trying to juggle a, a job and and it was um it was tough it's like and yeah my output like slowed slowed down a lot but that was a season you know that was a season and I'm sure seasons will come back but gosh with school now it's like wow I can work well he's at school that is 
that's new, <laughs> you know, and it's really like, oh, I feel like, oh, that chapter of like how hectic that was is uh, is is over, you know. Uh, one thing that I wanted to add on, uh, you know, I can I'm going to mention a book, but Casey said I have to mention his technical timing book uh, <laughs> is really good for time management. Before I plug this <laughs> other book. So I want to make sure I get all my sponsors in before I mention the book at, that I'm going to get to. No, uh, there's Thank a you. great book. Uh, Brian Zader recommended it to me and, and I'd recommend it to anyone. It's called Essentialism by Greg McCowan. And uh, really, the first half of the book is kind of the, the meat and potatoes of it. And it, it's uh, there's lots of great quotes and sayings. And uh, it's kind of the idea of if you put a lot of effort going into lots of directions, you get nowhere. But if you put a lot of effort into one direction, you actually make progress on something. And I think that that's really important with work-life balance. Uh, one of the things that I see with students a lot is they feel like they've got to like hit everything equally every day. So if they have a, uh, an English paper, they've got a concert band audition, they got a lesson, like they just go into the practice room, they go into the library and they just try to like hit it without like focusing on it. Like they're just doing it to get in there to check it off the list. And so something that I've, I've been finding myself telling my students a lot that kind of came from this essentialism book is, is the idea of like creating walls in your your time management and your mental space where, OK, this is my like today I've got a four chapter thing I've got to write for my English class. I'm going to do chapter one today, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four and the days after. And that way you just get that one chapter done rather than going, well, I spent an hour on it, but I don't really feel like I got much progress made. Now I got to go practice. When I'm practicing, I'm thinking about how I didn't get much of that English project done. Now when I get done practicing, I've now not gotten a lot done in my practice because my English project, and it's just this, this snowball. And what I really recommend is try to find these mental and, and physical ways of calendar or goal setting to knock out one big thing so you can kind of let yourself off the hook and say, okay, I did that first chapter. I knocked it out. It took four hours. That was way longer than I thought it would take. So now I'm going to go and practice, but I'm going to feel good about my practice because I can actually be in the practice room mentally. And I really think that that's a big uh, aspect of practice and of study that a lot of students struggle with that uh, they can help themselves and we can help them a little bit more as well. Just understand that it's not about touching everything, but it's about making significant progress on stuff every day, whether that's a little less of things or just finding ways of, you know, scheduling so that we're able to focus on singular things for, for significant blocks. Yeah, this is also good. Brad, you mentioned uh, it was a Brian Zader recommendation, and that made me think of, I, I feel like you might have been in that book club one of those summers, like two summers ago, or one, there was one of the books, I can't even remember what it was, but one, one of the biggest takeaways for me um, from reading it and talking about it, this was the, what was it, PAS Leadership Academy Summer Book Club, um, was if you say yes to something, you're quite literally saying no to something else. Even if it's like saying yes to you know, a new project, like you're going to play in a percussion quartet. Um, great. Then you're saying no to either maybe other types of playing or maybe like time that you're at home in the evenings, or maybe it's saying no to sleep or anything else. Um, but it, that's something that has stuck with me since I think that was the 2020 book club, because we were all thinking about time in a different way that summer too. It was <laughs> kind, yeah, of, and kind of an interesting time. So I have um, one more question for y'all before we wrap up and close the book on this enormous topic. Um, I would love for y'all to share one thing, at least one thing that you do to, to make sure that you're taking care of your mental or physical health. Caleb, you wanna start? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, but yeah, let me, let me know y'all's five and get back to me. Uh, I'll see if I can apply those. Ask me again in a couple of months. Um, I have I have this morning coffee time. I I just tend to wake up early. I don't set an alarm for it. Uh, I, I just have always woken up pretty early, and I just have this like coffee time. It it, it changes what I do during that time. Um, sometimes it's preparing for this show. Um, it, it's something I I feel like I want to do. Right, right now, it's it's like coffee wardle, and I'm just like listening to something like the news is on in the background or something, and. 
um, yeah, it's 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 Wordle, and um, right now I'm I'm doing like a little uh, project thing right now, composition thing. So I'm I just like I enjoy doing that uh, right now. And in a month it'll probably be, I don't know, girl, Gilmore Girls or something terrible, but it's, that's what it is. Nice. What about you, Donnie? Um, I like to read, you know, so I set aside some time um, pretty much every morning and then oftentimes before I go to bed at night, just to spend a little bit of time reading, um, kind of clears my head. We're talking a lot about, you know, sometimes the work-life balance uh, will run into struggles when we just feel overwhelmed. And a lot of times our minds are just going with so many different things at once. And so I find reading kind of just soothes me, clears my head and helps me kind of face the day or just decompress from the end of the day. Yeah, nice. How about you, Tracy? Um, I like to cook. And that to me, that is a thing that I can do, whether it's, you know, grilling something or making like an actual meal or just something like a pasta sauce or something like it's something that I can do that totally gets me like it gets me outside of thinking about like drum things and stuff like that. And I'm doing like my family can get involved in it. It's time that we can just like hang out while it's going on because we're all super busy they're running a million different directions and stuff like that and so it's just kind of that time of like doing that and just hanging out in the kitchen and stuff like that that is good for us yeah that's great that sounds nice how about you brad i'm a big uh physical activity kind of person i really think that you know that's my me time uh you know i try to work out five days a week in the morning before school starts. But I've also, I'm a, I'm a big disc golfer and I recently picked up pickleball. Uh, and I just really find that activities like that, that are a little mindless and get you outside or get you around just like different people uh, and kind of exert some physical effort. I, I just find that super relaxing and uh, it just makes a world of difference if I can get in some kind of activity like that versus if I'm cooped up, uh, you know, like at a conference, and, and you can't do anything physical and you're drinking coffee and you're sitting in a chair the whole time, that can get a little challenging after four or five days. Yeah. Brad, I got into pickleball recently too. And um, have you seen the little documentary about how pickleball is like destroying neighborhoods because it's uh, too loud supposedly? Oh, no, but I have to. I, me and my wife just played a, a couple hours of pickleball this afternoon. And so uh, we're, we're hooked. We're, we're all in. So we'll, we'll be a part of the problem. The, the <laughs> documentary is ridiculous. It's, I mean, I guess it's true, but it's like, what? It's not, I mean, yeah, the, it's not that loud. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pro pickleball. Uh, absolutely. Pickleball is here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to go research what exactly pickleball is. It's like it's sweeping game. the nation. There's, there's <laughs> literally, it, it's like a, a combination of tennis and, and ping pong. Like it's like yeah. small tennis or big okay. ping pong. Ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's actually a place in Dallas called uh, Chicken and Pickle where they serve fried chicken and it's got pickleball courts. Hmm. And like pickleball is just becoming the new big thing. So I would I would recommend uh, checking it out. It's a ton of fun. Cool. Cool. Well, Brad, I'm, I'm with you personally. Like the, the biggest thing that I try to be consistent with is exercise and I feel it um, emotionally, especially when I don't. Um, but whether it's yoga or running or Pilates or, you know, um, any, anything else in between um, that and, and walking the dog, that's kind of my happy time, except now that it's cold um, or I get all bundled up. I have this enormous puffy coat this year. I didn't have it yet last year. So this year it's better, but, um, with the cold, it's a little rough, but I love walking the dog. It's like my, get, get ready, time. Carly. It's going to like, it gets really cold here. This is my second winter. I know that. Oh, you go. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. You've been here two years already. Okay. Yeah. 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 And this all, yeah. Coming from somebody who grew up in New Hampshire, but 10 years, right. I mean, um, kind of ruined me. <laughs> Anyway, thank you all so much for uh, joining and sharing um, your, I guess, your your ideas and strengths and also some weaknesses and vulnerabilities when it comes to work-life balance and time management and these things that we all struggle with at times. I really appreciate all of your thoughts. Thanks, Carly. Thanks for having us and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanks, all. Th thanks, Carly. <laughs>